Hello and welcome to the Champagne Lounge. Hello and welcome back to the Champagne Lounge podcast. If you're new to the show, this show is all about me talking to the members of the Champagne Lounge about who they are, what they do and why they love it. Today I'm talking to the wonderful Lisa George who runs Remote Team Queen. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you very much, Mika. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. For those of you that are watching the video recording, you'll see that Lisa's wearing a lot of sparkle and that brings me joy at the, at the time of and recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lisa, I've just said you were um, doing Remote Team Queen, which I know is an evolution of business for you because you've been in business for now nearly 20 years. Uh -huh. um, what's your entrepreneurial journey been like? And just give us a quick rundown of what the last 20 years has been like for you. Well, uh, I'm, I'm an occupational therapist by trade and I started my business, uh, my own business, nearly 20 years ago, as you've said, um, as a result of a personal situation. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in the year 2000, the late year 2000, and it caused me to rethink work and life and whether they work together or not. And I guess for me at that time, I was working in a corporate environment uh, and I decided that I didn't really want to be doing that anymore. I wanted to have the flexibility of doing the things that gave my life joy. I think when you've had a significant health scare and you've sort of faced death in the face, I guess, <laughs> um, <laughs> you do question what your life is about and whether you are living your life purpose. And I had the, the strange privilege of learning that lesson at the age of 27. Mm -hmm. uh, and I call it a strange privilege because it's a mixed, it's a mixed thing, isn't it? When you have a significant life, um, a, a scare like that and at such a young age, um, but it teaches you very early in life when, you, when it happens to you early in life that every day is, is a gift uh, that we do take a lot of things for granted and it yeah. causes you to really question how you're spending your time and your energy. So for me, that was a real mm. crossroads. And so I decided to leave corporate. They were unable to offer me the flexibility at that time, back in the year 2000. That wasn't something that was offered. And I set about to uh, establish my own business from home and in doing so, I began to enjoy the, the um, benefits of, of working from home and being able to work on my own terms. And then I decided that I would like to offer that to other people as well. And I realised that there were a, a number of uh, therapists on the, out there that were sitting at, well, not sitting at home, they were unable to return to their previous roles because they weren't being offered the flexibility either. Uh, so I uh, gathered those people uh, in my network together and offered them contracting arrangements and they were then able to enjoy the flexibility that I was enjoying and use their skills and still meet their other life roles, whether that was bringing up children, looking after elderly parents, wanting to go to the gym, uh, walking the dog, whatever really um, gave them uh, pleasure in life while not having to be in, at a certain, in a certain place at a certain time every day. So that's, that's how that. that sort of started. 
and um, yeah. and it's grown. It's grown from there. Other people caught on. They got um, wind of what I was doing. Um, it was a little bit strange at the time. There weren't a lot of people doing it, and so it, it's it has grown to um, a team of around 20 to 25 therapists, depending what's happening at the time. But it's it's usually around the 20 to 25 mark. Um, and we're a great team. Amazing. We, we, um, we still work as a team, even though we all work remotely. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's phenomenal. And you're way ahead of curve, way ahead of the curve, I think, in terms of like that remote setup and having such mm. a large team relatively mm. early on, because I think uh, mm. working from home, really, it's only really been prevalent at a lot of organizations since COVID. Correct. Because right? they were forced into it. They were. Um, they were. And so, they were forced with a bit of a jolt, weren't they? Very unprepared. Yeah, without all the stuff and and systems in place and processes mm-hmm. and comms plans and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which I know you've developed over time to to run your business to the level that it is now. Um, what are, what were the were there? I suppose I'm sure there would be any teething problems with working remotely in terms of the team, but also your clients understanding that's how your team worked. Yeah, there was a real scepticism back then um, that I was not going to be able to offer the consistency and the quality of service. And I think it's, it is about communication. Uh, business is all about communication. Uh, it, you need to be really good at uh, telling your customers who you are as a who you are as an operator, how, how you do business, what's important to you as a, as a business owner. And for me at that time, it was really important that I communicated with my customers that my concern was quality and consistency. And I knew that, that was, they were the things that they were struggling with and I knew that they were the things that they were going to be doubting um, this model uh, about. So it was a matter of me trying to uh, allay their fears and say, I know this looks strange, but we've got it. You know, we've this. We've got systems in place. We've got um, the ability to communicate uh, across the team. We've got uh, people in place that ensure that all the team operate the same way. We, we've got consistency of practice, and and we had um, quality assurance mechanisms in place to ensure that everything that went out the door looked the same, felt the same, had the same messaging. And it was just really important at that time when it was a very uncommon way of working to be very clear that we did have systems and and a way of working that would ensure that they got the outcomes and the quality that they were expecting from us. Also very important that a lot of that came not only um, from the team members that were working with my customers, but that they had a relationship with me as well because quite a lot of the customers that I was getting uh, referrals from, they were work- they were used to working with me. So I had to clone myself. In- I had to really be quite clear about my induction processes and what my expectations were and how I, how I did things and, and the really clear guidelines about how we do things at Momentum and uh, get them to adopt those ways of working um, or engage people who already had that sort of philosophy as well. I think culture, team culture and, and ways of working um, are very much a focus for me when I'm, when I'm recruiting. I can teach people skills, but 
I can't teach their attitude. I can't teach their personality. It's It's got to be a good fit. So um, I needed to be quite yeah. strategic as well when I was taking people on um, that they they knew who I was, they knew what was important to me and they, they were really aware of what the Momentum brand was and um, what our customers expected yeah. from us. Very much so. And I'm curious because you said you had to almost clone yourself, right? Mm. And that's one of the hardest things to bring on in terms of team is the hardest thing to build. I think most business owners can probably agree with that. Mm. Team's the hardest thing to build and cloning yourself is really quite hard. Like in terms of, um, and I know a lot of people talk about you want people that are different to you rather than people that are exactly like you so that the business runs and Correct. you know you sort of stay at the top without having that power struggle yep. with someone that could potentially be very similar in um you know, thinking ro robust sort of ways of doing things how did you navigate that element of building a team when you had to have clones of you from from a servicing perspective for your clients but also needing to stay at that top level to run a t to run the team successfully so it's important that I put a level of management in place that was key to this process because when, when you're running a remote team uh, or teams, in my case, I had different teams according to the service streams we were offering. I had managers lead or team leaders leading those teams separately. So there was a layer between me and my staff. But in saying that, those team leaders were very clear about how, who I was, how I operated, what my expectations were. And it wasn't a matter of cloning people to the degree of having little mini leases running around because that would be totally boring. <laughs> but I think it's really about um, an appreciation for the skills that people bring and and a respect for, their, for, for what they bring to the table and a trust that they're going to deliver on what they say they're going to deliver and they're going to honour my brand. So. I think that's the key. Uh, um, I've managed to engender this brand pride and this trust, this trusting relationship. And I really, um, I actually established that from the outset. So it was a very clear conversation with the staff member about the degree of trust that I that I impart and that I ex and. I basically say to them, this is a relationship of trust. I'm trusting that you are going to not shit on my brand. You are going to um, you are going to be proud of who who we are, what we do, and and the purpose in which we do that. And we um, and I have that expectation up front. And I think that just sets a really clear line. Um, don't cross this line. Uh, don't don't stuff with my brand sort of messaging but yeah. also that people are adults like if you treat them as adults and you expect that they're just going to get on with the job these people are professionals so you know I, I really felt quite confident that the people I was taking on were people that could work could work remotely they were able to do that and that they were very proud of their own profession of our profession as occupational therapists very much um, keen to get really good outcomes for the people that they were working with and so when we're united in our purpose um, it, it works really well you can develop that like you've got that that foundation of trust and i think it, is, it really does come down to communication um, and, and then people have a full understanding. Uh, you just do not assume um, anything. 
that's never assume. That's, no, no, it's just it's dangerous territory. You just can't assume. Um, and even if it sounds obvious and you feel like you're preaching to the converted, it's so much easier just to put it on the table and have that conversation up front than it is to assume and then try and put you know fix what's broken. I guess. Um, yeah. So that's that's yeah, how you don't I operate. Yeah, you in the first place, right? That's right, because yeah. that, that impacts um, your reputation as well. Hundred <clears> percent. <throat> so you've you've done, you've built Momentum Rehab on that model, right? On that remote Correct. team model, very successfully running with quite a large team. Mm. You're now packaging up your learnings and turning it into something that can help other organisations um, with remote working and remote teams under Remote Team Queen. How did that come about, and why? And and what are you hoping? to to offer to to organizations when it comes to bringing on remote teams i guess it's about um what, what how it actually came about was obviously with COVID. um people were thrust into a new world a new way of working the new world of work as as i guess it's known and more flexible ways of working um were adopted in a big rush uh, we, it was it was really uh, a shock to most organisations that this is how things needed to be done in a hurry in order to sustain business. So, in that process, there was a lot of confusion. <clears throat> excuse me, and there was a lot of um, chaos in implementation of this of this new way of working. And I thought to myself, I've been doing this for a long time, and I think I've I think I've got it sorted, you know. I really feel like I've got something to offer these people who may be struggling yeah. with offering flexible ways of working. So I um I actually engaged um a business mentor, Janine Garner, who who we both have an association with, and uh yeah. and she helped me work through uh the practicalities of of launching into a, a new side side business. And it was at a time when momentum was struggling because we were in lockdown and uh, we were unable to go and see people. We offer a mobile service. We go and see people in their homes. And so we, we were essentially, we came, no, we couldn't do anything. We, we ground to a halt. So yeah. financially it was, it was very difficult. Um, but having said it's that. It's a really interesting place to be in, right? Yeah. Because you're running a remote team where people will go, oh, that's fine. You can still work remotely, but actually your business model was around a mobile service into people's homes. And so the it's impact of that would be Because it's massive. a health-related business. Um, you know, we, we had to have face-to-face -face contact. We could do a little bit by telehealth, but it really wasn't a sustain. It wasn't anything you could really make a decent amount of money from. So it, it, it did, um, it did, impact the bottom line for momentum but I guess remote team work just became something that everyone was talking about and I just thought well I've been doing this for so long I really feel like I can offer assistance to people who uh, are, want, are needing the help to, to lead their teams remotely or to offer more flexible work options whether that be a hybrid work arrangement or or a fully remote um, business and to show that it can actually be done and it can be done successfully um, and just to share yeah that the foundations and the models that I've developed of practice and uh, and and the and to help them just get the the nuts and bolts right so that they don't have to make the mistakes that I made uh, fast track I yeah. guess they don't need to take 20 years <laughs> to get it right <laughs> although I think I got it right a fair That's while a ago <laughs> 
but you know what I mean. It's 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 it is a learning yeah. curve, and the way we lead face to face is very different to how we lead um, when people aren't next to us in the next desk or the next office or or what have you. So there's a level of intentionality around that. It's setting up the systems, it's setting up the expectations, it's setting up the comms, um, and it becomes very much about intentional engagement with your team and. I think it's very easy to get lazy in an office environment where you have the the spontaneity and you've got you've just got the the passive interactions happening uh, in order to create a, 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 that trust, you, that communication, that engagement, that motivation. As a leader, you need to be leading differently, and I guess that's that's the edge I bring. It's teaching people how to do that. A hundred percent. And so in doing that and doing remote working and for our listeners who are going, okay, well, I might not be at a large, uh, mm. a lot of the members in the Champagne Lounge are small to medium business owners, right? Yeah. Some of them may have a small team. Some of them are going, I'm ready to take on team. Um, leading people, as you just said, in a remote scenario is so different to doing it in person. And so is there any like tips or guidance you can share now with someone that's looking to put a remote team together like what are they what are the things that they should have in place before they even think about bringing someone on into their team remotely i, th I think it's really important that you have a very clear idea about who it is that you're taking on. Um, I know that a lot of people have had to do this retrospectively. So they've had people in the office and now people want to be able to continue to work remotely. So there's probably two different scenarios. You've got the businesses that historically were face-to-face -face and were forced to be remote. And then now they're pulling people back to the office and the, and the, and the team saying, actually, no, we don't wanna do that. It's that there's that group of people um, so that's leading people who weren't necessarily recruited for remote work. Um, yeah. that, that requires a different style of management again. But in terms of if you're starting from scratch, which I was, um, then it's about recruiting the right type of person for the, for the role that you're engaging them for. And again, that happens face to face as well. But I think when you've got a remote situation, you really need to be quite clear about the, the person's um, situation, how, how they're set up at home, whether they've got a, a, an office space dedicated to working, um, whether they're going to be safe in their environment. You know, there's people who yeah. face all sorts of social um, risks, um, whether, you know, ergonomically they're set up correctly so that you're not going to walk into a workers' comp injury situation. Um, you know, so there's a physical and there's there's psychological safety factors that you need to consider, um, but also you've got to make sure that you've got the right systems on board in terms of, um, you know, your your cloud based um, your cloud based storage database systems, your, your communication yeah. systems. You, you need to have an understanding of how often you're going to connect with that person. They need to be clear on that so that they don't feel like they're being checked up on all the time. I call it checking in, not checking up. Um, and I like I like to be able to have that um, more casual interaction with people rather than, you know, that really, um, you know, performance-based discussions all of the time. I, I think it's really important to, to know your people and to know who they are as people, not just as 
a worker, just getting on and doing the work. I think when people feel seen, they feel heard, they feel valued, they feel understood, they they um, think that you know that you you really do care about them and their situation, um, and their lives, and and the and the blend with with work and life. Um, that creates loyalty. That creates trust. And I've worked really, really hard to get to know each of my team um, so that they they understand that I really do care about them as people. They're not just people that make money for me. They're people that I actually care care about. And that's not to say that I put up with you know, we don't we don't have massive dramas in terms of, you know, I'm not their counsellor. Um, but they know that my virtual door is is open and that if they're struggling with things they can I'm approachable um, and that that I do trust that they're getting on with the job so you need to have systems in place so that you can monitor um, that things are getting done um, so, sort of metrics I guess whatever works for you as a business but I don't need to check up on people that they're working they're sitting at their desk from nine to five um, I look at the outcomes yeah. I look at um, whether the whether the invoices are coming in, whether the customers are happy, um, whether I'm getting any complaints. Um, I'm looking at the timeframes that things are getting done in. Um, I've got metrics that I keep an eye on that tell me whether people are actually getting the job done. I don't need to be checking up on them, looking at keystrokes and making sure that they're physically on their computers. If they have to pop off and, and go to a school assembly, but they still get their job done at the end of the day, that's all I'm worried about. And as long as they're responsive yeah. to my customers and they're getting back to people in a reasonable time frame, people don't need to know that they're at a school assembly. They can say, you know, it, it, people need to get on with their lives, but as long as the job is done at the end of the day. And my, my people understand that. And, and that's, how, that's the culture yeah. I've developed. And I think it's worked really well. I think that's phenomenal. Um, thing to sort of land on towards the end of this episode in terms of that whole trust factor, right? It's not, it's, it, there's a whole process to bringing on a remote team and the yep. teams we're talking about here are, you know, both employees and contractors, there yep. is a whole process to be bringing Correct. them on with, but that element of you do not need to be micromanaging people and to no. like just trust and b build all those elements in so that they can yes. live their life, have a yep. really flexible work environment. And you're right. At the end of the day, it's about the outcomes. Yep. It's not about whether they're at their desk all the time. Um, and I love that that's the ethos that you're bringing within Remote Team Queen to help other organizations navigate that because I know it's going to be so helpful to both the organizations and the individuals. And so anyone looking from a remote team perspective, I'm going to be linking all Lisa's links and resources to the show notes Thank on you. this episode because I know you have some gems there um, that have been super helpful for me as well. I know we've known each other for a while, so check out those links if you're bringing on any form of remote team um lisa i don't let people leave the episode without asking them one of two questions and today your question is you've talked very much around um the flexibility of the workspace those conversations those check-ins that's something that the champagne lounge loves to offer its members in terms of the virtual meetups that we have that you can turn up to if you've got the time to yep. um, what is it about the champagne lounge that you love uh, so much and why you're a member of it I've really enjoyed the flexibility of it. Um, there are other groups that I belong to that I often um, feel guilty if I don't turn up. And 
as we all know, life happens, um, you know, and, and I love the fact that there's different things throughout the week that I can pop into. I can't get to all three, but I might, or three or four, but I might get to one of those. And they're real connection points for me. They pull me back into a group where we celebrate our wins and our struggles and there's no um, judgment and there's support. And that's that's the thing I really love about the Champagne Lounge. It's, it's, it's relaxed, it's, um, we have a few laughs, um, you know, we bring our beverage of choice. Um, you know, I like my bubbles too, but I don't always bring them to those meetings. Um, might just have bubbly water sometimes, yeah. depending on what I'm about to do with the children. It doesn't um, have to be champagne. It doesn't. No, you don't need to bring champagne. And I guess that's the other thing I love about it, that it it's um, – it's inclusive for everyone in terms of you, where your stage of business, you don't need to be an entrepreneur or you don't need to be, you know, Wonder Woman. Um, but we all are Wonder Woman, Wonder Women in our own way. Oh, sorry. There's a, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I love about it. It's it's just easy. It's easy to pop in and, and um, yeah, I'd like to congratulate you on creating such a beautiful community. Thanks, babe. That means a lot. That means mm. a lot. And I love, I love that the flexibility there is working. It's working mm. for you. It's something that um, very much like when you started Momentum doing a remote thing, mm -hmm. people have constantly asked me, but what do I get? What do I learn? I'm like, no, no, you just sort of come as though it's your lounge room or a yeah. local bar or a cafe. That's and exactly what it is. Say hi. It's a casual so, chat. It's, yeah. you know, check, you're just, how are you going? What are you struggling with? What are your wins? And it's just it's just a lovely a lovely group of women that just celebrate each other, and that's beautiful. Thank you, and we love having you as part of it, and we love showcasing you on today's episode of the podcast. Thank so you, thank Becca. you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Champagne Lounge podcast. If you'd love to be part of our thriving community, head over to thechampagnelounge.com to join us.